Hello and welcome back to Stop and Go F1 here for our United States Grand Prix driver ratings where we're going to give each driver a score between 1 and 10 for their performance in the United States Grand Prix. Firstly, make sure you subscribe, all that kind of good stuff because everything we've just done this week, we're going to do it again next week. We'll be here for the Mexican Grand Prix, uh, looking at, we'll be here to cover the preview on Friday evening, that'll be a late one because we'll do it after the practice sessions, we'll have to have coverage of qualifying and the race and driver ratings for them as well, also I forget to say this quite often but we are also available on Spotify, there's a link in the description if you prefer to listen rather than view, but if you like to view, I've got good news for you because I want to bring your attention to a comment on uh, the Qatar driver ratings video. It's from Formula Dynasty. Here it is on the screen if you're watching. And the, the comment said, would love to see some graphics or visuals. I think to keep track of everything, keep the viewer of the video for such a long form content would be good. You've got really good raw content, clear speaker, good analysis, covers a good range. Overall, though, love the video. We'll be back for Austin. Well, Formula uh, Dynasty, I hope you are back for Austin, because otherwise you'd be a liar, and I don't want to make you a liar. But uh, I have got a lovely little treat for everyone involved today, because I always listen to the fans. That's me, <laughs> a man of the people. And for the people, I've brought some visuals. So, what have we got? We've got this. Wow. This is the driver scores. Which side is it? Is it here? No. It's here, the, the, the driver scores. Here, here, I'll be trying to remember to fill that in as we go through the video so we can keep track of what everyone's at. Also, we've, we've got this. Look. It's little Logan Sargent. Oh, hello, Logan. You're doing okay? That will change as we go along so we can keep track of who we're talking about at all times. So there you go. Some visuals. Finally, we got round to doing something good on this channel. Uh, so as we go along, I will try and remember to change it. Uh, but yes, technology and me don't always go hand in hand, but we will try our best. So... It was a sprint race weekend, as I'm sure you are all fully aware. So if you, this is your first driver ratings with us on the Stop and Go F1 channel, this is how we do it. We give them a score out of 10 for the sprint. We give them a score out of 10 for the main race. Then we take an average of those two scores with more weight on the main race than the sprint. That will give us our overall score out of 10 for that driver for that weekend. And let's start with this man right here. Logan Sargent. Now, this is very, very, very much a tale of two halves. I say that quite a bit when it comes to sprint races, but none more than Logan Sargent this weekend. In the sprint race, qualifies dead last, qualifies 20th, finishes the race in 19th, benefits from Lance Stroll's DNF. Really just did nothing. I mean, he got towards the back of Kevin Mackinson towards the end of the race, but really nothing at all to write home about for Logan Sargent in terms of the sprint race, so I gave him a 2 out of 10 for the sprint. For the main race, though, he qualified 16th, and due to multiple disqualifications and very good driving from Logan, he finished in 10th, getting his first ever points. Uh, everyone, you see, the last thing, everyone always says first ever points for Logan Sargent. He only scored the 1, so it should be first ever point. First ever point for Logan Sargent. And you know what? <clears throat> um, I think this is fantastic for him. 
Uh, he's under a lot of pressure at the minute. He's got one of the only, well, the only seat that isn't secure for next year. One of the only, if you believe the Sergio Perez rumours, but in terms of people who've signed contracts, he has the only seat that isn't available for next year. So a lot of uh, pressure on him. Kind of looked into it in terms of the double disqualification, but you know, he got himself into P12, a good position there. I'm going to give him a 10 out of 10 for the race, just because it's his first points, and I'm very happy for him. But an average of the 10 and the 2 gives Logan Sargent a wonderful 7 overall. Has that worked on the visuals? I hope it has, because next we're going to talk about Alexander Albon, his teammate in the Williams, and uh, for him, it was a good weekend as well. Sprint, sprint qualifying, qualifies 8th, fantastic yet again from him, only drops back one position throughout the race to go to ninth. so I gave him a 9 out of 10 for the sprint, fantastic performance. Then, in the main race, qualifies 15th, finishes the race in 9th. So once again, it's another, I give another 9 there. So it's an average of a 9 for Alexander Albon. Daniel Ricciardo now in his comeback race, his second comeback race of the year. You don't get many people having two comeback races in one year. Uh, in the sprint... He qualified very well. He originally qualified 11th, but got pushed up to 10th because of George Russell's penalty. He would finish the sprint race, though, in uh, 12th. <clears throat> so did lose a couple positions there, but overall I fought very good for his first race back. I gave him a 6 for that one. And then in the main race, he qualified 14th. He was one of uh, the two people who I think tried the one-stop. Uh, it was him and Leclerc who both tried a one-stop. It didn't really work out for Daniel, as, and also it didn't work out for Leclerc. But at the end, they pitted Ricardo onto the softs to try and regain something, and it didn't really work at all for the Alpha Tauri or for uh, Ricardo. He would end up finishing uh, 15th overall, which was the last place of the people who finished the race or didn't get disqualified. <clears throat> so, yeah, wasn't great in the race. I gave him a 4 for the race, which overall is an average of a 5. For Daniel Ricciardo, his teammate though, wow, Yugi Tsunoda, what a weekend for him it was. In the sprint, doesn't have a great qualifying, qualifies 19th, finished the race though in 14th, making up some good positions, I gave him a 6th there. In the main race, qualifies 11th, very good, uh, finishes the race in 8th, gets his first ever fastest lap as well, because AlphaTauri also pitted him to the softs at the end as well, but he had built up such a good amount of space that he was able to capitalise on that, getting the fastest lap, getting a good few positions, getting a lot of points there for the AlphaTauri team, very proud of himself. Uh, for the main race, I gave him a 10 out of 10, one of his best performances of the year. I do think that Ricardo possibly could have been there with him as well, if he hadn't been lumbered with that one-stop, I think the one-stop just destroyed it for him. Yuki Tsunoda, though, on average, I give him a 9. Oh, I forgot to change the photos. Oh, no, that's Daniel Ricciardo's face. That's Yuki Tsunoda's face. I told you it would go wrong. Next, it's Hulkenberg. My goodness, uh, technology. We'll get there in the end. Nico Hulkenberg. Sprint qualifying, 16th. Sprint race, 15th. Uh, gaining one position. The Haas has been a bit of a handful this weekend. I think that they did kind of unlock it a bit more uh, in the race after that pit lane start. They kind of changed it around a bit and got the upgrades working a bit more. It's incredibly brave to bring upgrades to a sprint race weekend. And I'll talk more about this when we talk about Aston as well. But to bring 
upgrades for a sprint race weekend where you have one practice session to get it right to get the setup of a brand new car right yeah it's going to take a while so i'm not going to be one to write off these has upgrades straight away because the sprint race was okay falkenberg as i said 16th to 15th i gave him a 6 out of 10 and in the main race he went from the pit lane to 11th which you know in any has is very good especially in this one that doesn't necessarily work the right way i gave him an 8 for that which overall is a 7 his teammate though there he is, Kevin Magnussen. Uh, Kevin Magnussen in the sprint race qualified at 17th, finished 18th. I gave him a 5 for that. Then in the main race, the pit lane to P14. So I gave him a 6 for that, yes, because he was a few places below um, Nico Hulkenberg. Didn't seem to manage the race as well. So overall, for K-Mag, it is a 6. Now, across to this man, Lance Stroll. And I never thought I'd say this before, but my, my, do I want to praise Lance Stroll. Because let me tell you, um, Lance Stroll, in terms of nightmare weekends, I don't think there's been a bigger one for um, a driver. Well, apart from maybe Ricardo in uh, Zandvoort where he broke his wrist. But, you know, it's a sprint race weekend. You have a brand new car. You have one practice session where your brakes don't work and you you do like one lap. In sprint qualifying, he manages to get it on to uh, 14th. He was going really well in the sprint. He was ahead of Alonso and his brakes fail again and he has to DNF. I gave him a 6 for the sprint though because I did think he did very well. Then you have to reset the car entirely. You start from the pit lane and have an incredible race to finish in p7 i mean this is i think because it's lance stroll it's maybe not being as hyped up as it would be if it was someone else but to go through all that and finish seventh that's incredible he hadn't done more than 20 laps all weekend before sunday really really impressive stuff from lance stroll i gave him a 10 out of 10 for the race because i just thought it was absolutely fantastic to go into a car that you have basically never driven before in a race to start from pit lane to seventh place fantastic stuff i think that's that might be his best race of the entire year i gave him a 10 for the main race which on average gives him a nine out of ten his teammate had a bit of an easier weekend but still a very difficult one in the sprint race he would qualify 12th he'd finish it in 14th really struggling uh, with the Aston Martin was Alonso in the sprint race. So I only gave him a 4 out of 10 for the sprint race because I thought Lance really showed him up, which is not something I thought I'd be saying this year. Uh, in the main race, though, he went from the pit lane and he had to retire the car. Uh, I think he originally said rear suspension failure, but they may have uh, said it was then floor damage later on. Before that, though, he was going pretty well, so I gave him a 6 in the race, which overall for Alonso is a 5. Cross to Joe now, and Joe, of course, has the curse of Alfa Romeo, which means they never get shown on television. In the sprint race, he qualified 15th and just went backwards to 17th. Gave him a 4 for that. Then in the main race itself, he would qualify 12th. One of the two guys to get a time penalty for track limits uh, would have to get out of the way of his teammate at one point. 
really just didn't do anything for me, really, Joe, this weekend. So I gave him a four for that, which means it's a four overall. His teammate, Valtteri Bottas, also didn't get much airtime, despite having a lovely moustache and wearing a cowboy hat. Valtteri Bottas would qualify for the sprint in 18th, then finish in 16th. So I gave him a six for that. Good couple of positions gained. And the main race did the opposite of Joe. Joe qualified 12th, finished 13th. Bottas qualified 13th, finished 12th. So for that, I gave him a 6. So overall, it's a 6 for Bottas. Very much an under-the-radar race for both of the Alpha Tauri lads uh, this weekend. Very much different from Qatar, where they really, really look strong. So uh, that pace does not seem to have transferred across to Austin. Hopefully, they can be back at it at uh, Mexico. And speaking of drivers who'll be looking forward to get to Mexico and putting Austin behind them, it's Oscar Piastri. The high highs of the Qatar Grand Prix to the low lows of the United States Grand Prix. Sprint qualifying, decent results. So he qualified fifth. Uh, then in the race itself, it looked like he completely cooked his tyres off the start. Just went backwards, struggling, struggling, struggling. Everyone's passing him. He finishes off in 10th place. Meanwhile, his teammate is excelling ahead. Um... It's the the sprint race is the kind of race that reminds you that Oscar Piastri is a rookie because that was a rookie error and there's not much he could do there. I gave him a three for the sprint because it really he should have done a lot better than he did there. In the main race, he could only qualify tenth. Got hit by Ocon on the start. Um, <clears throat> had a fantastic start though. I think he gained four places off the start despite being hit by Ocon. He was still running relatively well. Then uh, McLaren just told him to retire the car. Uh, so I gave him a six for the main race because I think in what he showed, he showed that um, if it wasn't for that contact, I think he could have had a very good race. But unfortunately, we didn't get to see it. So overall, on average for Piastri, it's a five. Cross to Lando now. And Lando Norris in the sprint qualifies fourth, finishes fourth. A good sprint for Lando Norris. I gave him a 9 out of 10 for that. Then in the main race, qualifies second, finishes second. Very consistent across the board for Lando Norris. Now, I would give him a 10 for that, uh, but I just... Um, the only thing that's kind of dragging me down from saying perfect race for Lando was his defence of Lewis Hamilton, I thought, was very amateurish. And I don't know maybe if it was an amateur defence or it was the experience of Lewis Hamilton to just know what he was going to do, read him like a book and just go down the inside. But yeah, I don't think it was the perfect race from Lando. He could have maybe... I think he just tried to go aggressive and it didn't work. So it's a 9 for me for Lando for the main race, which overall still gives him a very respectable score of 9. Alpines now, and Pierre Gasly had a fantastic weekend. Pierre Gasly, uh, sprint race, qualifies ninth, finishes seventh. Some very good positions gained from there, so I gave him an eight. Then in the main race, you know, he was uh, in a good contention for a while against the likes of uh, Russell and Perez and an Alpine. He's doing fantastically. Uh, qualified seventh, finished the race in sixth. Great points for the Alpine team. Uh, so I'm going to give him a 9 there, which is an average of a 9 for Pierre Gasly. A lot of people towards the start of the year were saying, oh, Gasly, he's not going to be on the same level as Ocon. Uh, Ocon's going to show him up. But I think at this point, Gasly is ahead of Ocon in the championship. You know, this is still his first year in the Alpine. He's still getting used to the team. 
he's doing fantastically well. I've always been a big fan of Pierre Gasly. I know I've said this millions of times before, but if you look at like 2020, 2021, um, Gasly, for me, was in the top three drivers. You'd have Verstappen and Hamilton interchangeable for one and two, but Gasly was always number three for me in terms of performance. Maybe in 2020, you could argue that Perez was up there as well because he did a fantastic job in that force India. Uh, but yeah, Gasly has done a fantastic job as well over the last few years. I think people kind of um, forgot how good he was last year because the Alpha Tauri was so nothing that like he couldn't show what he was doing, but... He's come in here, he's coming to Alpine, which is Esteban Ocon's team. Ocon's been there for years, and I think Gasly is showing that he is just as good, if not, in my opinion, better than Esteban Ocon, uh, doing much better than him, especially this weekend. Let's talk about him then, Esteban Ocon, here he is. So, Esteban Ocon, what are we doing? Sprint qualifying, 13th. He did well, though, gained some positions up into 11th place, so I gave him a 6 overall. Uh, for the sprint race in the main race he qualifies eighth hits um piastri at the start just goes backwards and then retires the car it i mean i gave him a three out of ten for the main race i think that's quite generous because really it should be a two yeah i'm gonna change that to a two for the main race just because i think his qualifying performance was good enough to earn two points and then from there he did nothing so overall that is an average of a three, I put the three in the wrong place. Esteban Ocon, you get a three out of ten. Now let's talk about this man. The curious case of George Russell, the man who could not keep his car on the track for the life of him. Uh, so he would qualify. It was P eight, I think, but for the sprint. But then would get pulled back to a P eleven after a three-place penalty uh, for track limits. No, it wasn't for track limits. It was for a blocking of Leclerc. He would also get track limits in the race itself. He would finish eighth. So for that, I've given him a six out of ten. Then in the main race, his teammate had so much pace, you could potentially point to maybe that's because his car was a bit too low, but I think that even if his car had been the correct height, um, he was just outshining George in every section here. You have Lewis, who is challenging the McLarens, who's challenging Verstappen, you know, similar lap times, and George was just nowhere. I mean, he qualifies fifth and finishes the race in fifth. On paper, that looks like a great result for Russell. But in reality, in the reality of the race... He was nowhere and just got to that certain point because his car was just faster than the Alpines. I, I don't know what's happening with George here because when we came out of Qatar, I was talking about how fantastic he was doing. I, I legitimately think if it wasn't for that lap one incident with his teammates, George could have been in contention to win that race. But we come here and he's just got no pace at all. So I gave, I gave him a 4 out of 10 for the main race, which on average is a five across to lewis hamilton right let's talk about this then let's talk about the sprint first because that's a bit easier to talk about sprint race he qualifies third finishes second really good pace he loves this track he's always done well here so uh yeah that was i gave a 10 out of 10 for the sprint fantastic stuff then 
In the main race, he qualifies third. He originally finishes second. But then, as we found out a few hours later, with me staying up until half past one in the morning, he got disqualified. Now, since I've been doing this channel and doing driver ratings, we have never had a disqualification in a race before. I had no idea what really to do for the disqualifications because I thought he had a fantastic race. If he hadn't have been disqualified, I would have given him a 10 here and he would have had an average of a 10 over the entire race weekend. But now there's so much of this confusion with the floor height and the car height and if his car had been higher, uh, maybe what kind of pace he would have had and all this kind of stuff. So in order to avoid this confusion and avoid any further confusion in the future, I have introduced a brand new rule to the stop and go f1 driver ratings if you get disqualified from a race you get a zero and it's just a blanket as that so for the sprint race he gets a 10 but for the main race he gets a zero which is an average of a three for lewis hamilton this weekend and you can argue about if that's fair or not in the comments but that'll be a rule going forward to every driver uh, every weekend from now on doesn't matter what you get disqualified for if you get disqualified from a race you get a zero the Ferraris now and Carlos Sainz so Carlos Sainz in the sprint race he uh, starts 6th finishes 6th giving himself a 7 out of 10 well not giving himself 7 out of 10 I'm giving him a 7 out of 10 then in the main race qualifies 4th and finishes the race in 3rd so I gave him another 7 so overall a 7 for Carlos I mean, the pace that he was showing off the back of the summer break has really gone away, and he's gone back to this kind of second-string Ferrari driver again. If you go back a few weeks ago, I was discussing Carlos is on the same level as Leclerc, but now he really isn't showing that so much anymore. I don't know maybe if he's just got tired again after these few races, needs another bit of a break. If that is the case, the next couple of weeks are going to be difficult for him because he's got two more races back-to-back. But yeah, um, really not, it's not as impressive for Carlos. I mean, he did beat his teammate on track, but I think that's because Ferrari gave Leclerc a one-stop that was never going to work. So yeah, it's a tough one for me there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give Carlos a 7, which overall, as I said, is a 7. But yeah, I expect better from Carlos. Hopefully, uh, come Mexico, we will see better from him. Right. Charles Leclerc now, and in the sprint race, he started uh, second, would finish up in third place. Hyper-aggressive move from uh, Verstappen on Leclerc at the start of the race, which firstly shows two things. It firstly shows that the pole is on the wrong side of the track at Austin, because nine times out of ten, if you start P2, you're leading into lap one. We also saw that in the main race. But uh, secondly, it shows the amount of uh, respect and admiration and maybe a bit of fear that Max Verstappen has to Charles Leclerc to the point that he has to defend that harshly just to make sure that he's into, tur into turn one in the lead. If it was, say, Sergio Perez in P2, I don't think Max would be defending as strongly as he did against Charles, because he knows how good Charles could be. So I, overall, I gave him a, a 10 out of 10 for the sprint, because I don't think he, he could have done any better, really, there. I think the Mercedes was that much better on its tyres, and he was never catching Max. And in the main race, uh, on pole position, fantastic uh, lap from him. 
He would finish in sixth again, get disqualified. As we discussed, that means he gets a zero for that race. So Leclerc also gets a three out of ten. Across to the Red Bulls now, and Sergio Perez, uh, you know, he had a quiet one, but also, like, no big mistakes at all that I witnessed, which I think is the first time in a while that we come away from a race weekend saying that, you know, Sergio had two, you know, decent races, even though in Qatar, I don't think it was necessarily his fault. Well, it wasn't his fault, the sprint crash. But, you know, we come away, he finished both races, finishing strong. Uh, in the in the sprints, he qualifies 7th, finished the race in 5th, so I gave him a 7 out of 10 for that. In the main race, he qualifies ninth, which I just don't think the uh, Red Bull had the one-lap pace around this track uh, this weekend, because Max also struggling in uh, qualifying for the main race. Would finish in fourth, massively benefited from the two disqualifications, as a lot of people did, to be fair, but I think Checo more than ever... Uh, um, he was not really going to get on the back of Sainz. He got past... Uh, did he get past Leclerc? I think he did, but Leclerc was just left for dead. Um, yeah, I gave him a five for the main race because he, very much like Russell, had a good position, but just because he had a car that much faster, he wasn't really anywhere near like the back of... like Perez should be beating Sainz in that race, to be fair, and he didn't. That podium should have been Perez's, and it wasn't. So you can't really give him that high of a score. Overall, though, for Perez, it is a 6 out of 10. Then, finally, Max Verstappen. Sprint race goes from uh, pole to the win. So that's a 10 out of 10 for Max in the sprint. Then the main race itself struggles in qualifying. Uh, outside of Singapore, uh, one of his... I think that's his worst uh, qualifying position outside of that race, a sixth place. Um, but then would be able to maximise it in the race, finishing uh, first for his 50th win, nursing a quite what seemed like quite a severe brakes issue throughout the entire race. He also said after the race that the Red Bull just really was not agreeing with um, the hard compound tyres. So a lot of struggles for him there under a lot of pressure from both uh, Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton, but manages it well. I, I said in my review uh, reaction video yesterday, it's a tradition now that every US Grand Prix at the Circuit of America has to end with Max Verstappen leading and Lewis Hamilton slowly catching up on him. That's how the last three of them have ended. And uh, the same way the last three of them have ended... Max Verstappen have won every single one of those three. So I did give him a 9, though, out of 10 for the race, just because I think the qualifying wasn't there for him this weekend, wasn't perfect, but he did do, still did incredibly well. Average overall for Max Verstappen, a 9 out of 10. So there we go. That is our driver rankings and ratings for this weekend. I'll look, I can look at the screen now and see what the scores actually are. I've also got them on this piece of paper, so I always read them there. Uh, the highest rated drivers this weekend are Alexander Albon, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Lance Stroll, Lando Norris, Pierre Gasly and Max Verstappen. All scored an average score of 9. Lowest rated drivers go to Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc with a score of 3 out of 10.
on average. So there you go. Let me know what you think. What were your driving reactions? Who for you was the best? Who for you was the worst of the weekend? As I said, I'll be back next weekend to cover all things Mexico. Until then, though, have a good one. Have a great weekend. Until next time, goodbye.